As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, you know, keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Welcome back to 1% Better. After another loss to the Titans. Seems unimaginable, but at this point, this is where the Colts are. I'm Zach Kiefer, joined by James Boyd. We are one month into the NFL season, and the Indianapolis Colts are... One, two, and one after Sunday's 24 to 17 loss to the Titans. They're 0, 2, and 1 in the division. James, where is this team at? They're a bad team. I think that the win over the Chiefs was a mirage. Yes, that's probably the best way to put it. You know, you masked a lot of your issues, a lot of your shortcomings. You pull out a, a, a big win, it was a huge win. And then you come back down to earth, basically. You, you return to who you are, what you've been throughout the first month of the season. I was just not impressed throughout the game. Frank Reich was very dejected after that one. Like, he just looked defeated after the game. More defeated than he's looked throughout the first couple of weeks of the season. Even the way his tone of voice when he was saying the right things it just didn't sound the same. So you just wonder if that doubt is starting to creep in because he was, you know, dead set on, hey, we're not that far, we're not that far. And we pressed him on it and he stood on it and they came out and beat the Chiefs and it was like, okay, maybe he's right. But yeah, that one felt like a step back. And then you lose your top defensive player in his return. He leaves the game with a concussion. And then you lose your top offensive player with what could be a high ankle sprain. Don't know how long, you know, he'll be out or if, he, if he'll be out at all, we'll just have to see. But it just really couldn't have gone more wrong for them yesterday, in my opinion. Matt Ryan's running for his life again. He gets sacked a ton again. He fumbles, you know, multiple times again. So it just seems like the same story, different week. That was my takeaway was the Chiefs game was supposed to be 
the step forward where they put the bad behind them of Houston and Jacksonville. And walking out of the stadium yesterday, I just felt Kansas City was the outlier. That was the anomaly. And this is what they are. What you saw yesterday, everyone out there who watched this team, the people that were in the stands at Lucas Oil, doesn't it feel like three out of four games, that's what you are at this point? A team that can't block, a team that can't make any holes for its star running back who's injured, a quarterback who can't keep hold of the football, for God's sake, and a defense who stiffened up in the second half, and I liked what I saw from that unit, but early on, bad angles, bad tackling, bad football. I mean, this is what the Colts are. Let me read to you what Reich said at the end of his press conference yesterday, because I agree completely. We've got to put this behind us, still feel like all of our goals are still out in front of us. I feel like we're seeing some things that we want to see. Rodney McLeod, veteran safety. At the end of the day, we're coming together and we are figuring this out. We're seeing some things that we want to see. Even Ryan Kelly, everything is still in front of us. We get a win this week and we're 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. That would look a lot better than 1-3-1. and one. But I've been in these locker rooms before and I've covered teams that have come back from 1-5 and five and 1-4 and four, and I don't hear that in their voices this time. Maybe this is just me, but it just feels like they're saying the right things, but they don't believe them. It just seems like they don't have anything to hang their hat on, so to speak. You come into the season, you expect the offensive line to be like the last unit you're worried about. And they the run look, game. Yeah, and they look awful. So you lose that identity, what you've sort of built your team around. And then on top of that, you're not getting the takeaways on defense, even though they were outstanding in the second half. I do have to give them credit for that. And I understand that the Titans have been awful in the second half of games this season. However, you still have to play them. And they were rolling. So you do have to do something to change that. So I felt like they forced a bunch of three and outs. You know, they forced a bunch of punts, held them scoreless. I mean, they had 20 plays in the second half and they were held to 28 yards. That's enough to give you a chance to win. But it just seems like there's no completeness from any unit on this team for like a full four quarters plus overtime. Because, I mean, God knows they they, they like an extra period, I guess. Yeah, I think you're onto something here. They don't have an identity. No, like last year, no. for better or for worse, they were going to break you with Jonathan Taylor. And on defense, they were going to take the football away. Both of those things have gone sideways this year. Jonathan Taylor has nowhere to go. And I don't think he trusts his offensive line as much as we've seen in the past. I think I can see that on the tape. And then secondly, what you mentioned, Shaq Leonard comes back. And this is just, this is just heartbreaking. I mean, the guy comes back. He works all the way back to get on the field. Before the half, he runs into Zaire Franklin, friendly fire, and and leaves and is concussed and will not play, I mean, in all certainty, Thursday night. This team just doesn't know what it is. Yeah, and I felt bad for Zaire, their best buds. And he, I asked him about it, and we asked him about it in the locker room. And he goes, yeah, I put everything I had into that hit, like he does with everything. And so yeah, in hindsight, it's like, man, if I would have taken a few you know, off of that, but you can't play like that. You have to play free, you have to play fast, you have to play violent. And yeah, he popped Shaquille good and – We'll get an update on that. I don't know if he broke his nose, but his nose was bloody. He had a big bandage bandaid on it when he was in the locker room right after the game. That he, you know, dapped everyone up and, and walked out, you know, when the media came in. But from a purely just wow, I feel bad for this guy standpoint, I do. Shaquille Leonard loves football. He was so hyped. I wrote about it in, in, in my story after the game, which got posted this morning, about just how excited he was, how amped up he was. He was rusty. I'll say that, but I mean, the first two plays of the game, he was right on the football. Him and the defense as a whole sort of got fooled on the play action pass in, in early in the game. The Robert Woods were, was a, basically just a wide open touchdown. That's rust or, I don't know, maybe not being out there as much. 
but then it seems like, okay, you're trying to find your footing or, you know, work through this pitch count. And then the pitch count is like forcibly given to you because you get knocked out of the game. So yeah, it was, it was tough. I thought that the, you know, the defense told me, um, you know, Dio said, Hey, we, we had to play for Leonard. We had to play for Shaq and we, we felt like we stepped up and he told me, he was like, yeah, you know, Buck came up to us and said, Hey, we need to stop now. We got to reset. We need to turn over. And the thing that stuck out to me the most is just the turnover part. They just haven't been able to get them. As much as your defense can stop other teams, this it league changes is one. The game. Yeah, and the, the flip side is the offense keeps turning the ball over. So the Colts are living it the other way this year. When last year they had 33 takeaways and they constantly gave their offense more ch- chances. And this year it's just they forced four straight punts in the second half. The Titans had 28 net yards of offense in the second half. I mean, let me ask you this. Does it feel like the Colts will get 15 takeaways this season? It just seems like a Man, very... When they come, they come in bunches. And when they don't, it feels like they're never going to come. And I thought that, going back to the Kansas City game, I thought that the tip at the end from, from Gilmore and then the pick from McLeod, it's like, all right, you got that one. You're ready to roll. Yeah, one helps everything. And then, again, you regress back to the mean, so to speak. So... It is an interesting group. I do think that, you know, it's worth noting that they started, uh, you know, Will Fries over Danny Pinter at right guard. Didn't do much to affect the outcome of the game, in my opinion. I still thought that the offensive line was more or less manhandling the trenches. And then you have a short week to turn it around and go to go to Denver, go to high altitude. And as much as they've been struggling, they've got multiple wins. They have a quarterback. They, they mean that that isn't running for his life after every single play. And quite frankly, is probably better at running for his life than Matt Ryan. So if I'm being quite honest, it, it just looks like a team with a quarterback who's another one-year Band-Aid. I cannot imagine bringing Matt Ryan back for another season. It's not entirely his fault, but at the same time, it just doesn't look like this is worth running back. Your running back can't find any holes. Your defense can't get any takeaways. Your offensive line can't block. These are all the makings of a bad football team. So it's not like all the way over, but it's starting to look bleak because this is a huge portion of your schedule, not because it's the first month of the season, but it's because a lot of these are divisional games and you're not winning them. Three division games, you have no wins to show for it. So tough. I've been asked this a lot last night and this morning, like, you know, is it going to turn around? And it doesn't feel like it is because of the things you just mentioned. And I watched the film this morning, and these are the first three things I wrote down. Granson whiffs on a block, prior whiffs on a block that Taylor would have taken to the house. This was early in the first quarter. It was a vintage 2020 run where Taylor would have taken this to the house, but prior just whiffed on the left edge, and, and it was a gain of four or whatever. And then on the big third down early, Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson, your $100 million left guard, just got absolutely owned by Danico Autry. I can't remember the last time Quentin was owned like that, was just beat straight up like that. But he was. And so that's the problem. And James, what did I tweet before the game yesterday? I'm not a football savant, but I know what it takes to win. And I said, they need to block. They need to limit Henry and they need to block. And they just didn't. He said they block just twice, twice on gonna, that list. This block. is crazy, man. I watched the tape this morning. This is going to sound crazy. And this is separate from the fumbles, right? The fumbles are inexcusable by the quarterback. They're a problem. I'm not ignoring that. But Matt Ryan's fine. He was 15 to 17 in the second half. He hit the tight ends in space. If you give him time, he's accurate enough to move the ball down the field. It's Phillip Rivers in 2020. Probably nothing more. 
But I like what they did with the tight ends yesterday. They had a lot of crossers. crossers. They created traffic in the middle that got guys open on the side. You like what you see in the pass game from Granson. Jelani Woods had a great play. And Mo Ali Cox had a great day. But the fumbles are a huge problem. And the blocking is a huge problem. And the run game, for me, is the most startling thing. If you were to ask me on August 5th when I'm out in Westfield watching training camp, what's the one thing that's going to hold this offense back? I would have said left tackle, and I would have said wide receivers, and I would have said tight ends before I said the run game. It doesn't look like to me, and I and I want everyone's opinion that's that's listening, like it doesn't look like Jonathan Taylor trusts his line. Do you see that? No, and you know what? It seems like his huge, you know, 100-plus game against 100-yard-plus game against the Texans seems like a lifetime ago at this point. Like, could you pencil in – 100 yards, John Taylor on the ground going forward. It just doesn't feel it's possible. I mean, I used I mean, to think you could. and He's getting hit pretty much as soon as he touches the ball. And you just wonder, again, how can you trust something when you're always having someone in your face as soon as you touch the ball, no matter how great you are? And honestly, yesterday, he had a few runs where I'm like, we, we looked at each other. Hey, Zach, JT just did everything on that play by himself to get seven yards. Yeah, and it should have been a loss of two. And every fan out there knows that. Knows exactly what we're talking about. And you're like, about. if you just give him enough time to at least get back to the line of scrimmage without getting hit. I think he's frustrated. He's just too nice to say it, honestly. And it's probably for the better. Don't want to throw anyone under the bus. But this is the thing. When fans ask, like, is he frustrated? Is he this? What is he saying? You can't necessarily go off of what JT says because he's honestly probably one of the nicest guys on earth. He literally will never take the low road. He takes the high road every single time. And that's why his teammates love him. Yes, but they should really love him back and try to block him. Because <laughs> I'm with you. It's, it's tough, man. It's tough sledding. I mean, it is fascinating to see a guy as talented as him really be, you know, a non-factor, quite frankly. It's sad. So 38 rushing yards net yesterday. That's the Colts' lowest total since 2015. The quarterback that day was Matt Hasselbeck for those out there who were into that sort of thing. That's how long ago that was. I think it's fair to say that every spot on the O-line has regressed from last year. You know, I thought the tape told me the first couple of weeks that Nelson was playing okay. And he is, but he got whooped on that play by Autry. And Pryor had some good snaps yesterday. He did, but he had some terrible ones as well. And the third down at the end where Ryan was sacked was just was just brutal. Like whatever there's a big moment, this offensive line finds a way to give up a sack. Kelly has regressed. They put in Will Fries yesterday. He got beat a couple times. And Braden Smith isn't the player he was a couple years ago. I thought this line really peaked in 18 and 19 and in parts in 20. In 21, they fell apart last year at the end for those that watched the Raiders and Jacksonville game. And then this year, they haven't been the same. And the price is being paid by the quarterback who's got people in his face all day long and also by the running back who doesn't have anywhere to go. So that's a problem. And until they start to block, this is not going to change. And there's no, there's nobody out there on the street they can sign that's going to solve their problem at left tackle or right guard. There's just good linemen are not available in October. So this is a problem they're going to have to fix. Chris Strasser is not getting it done as the offensive line coach, period, like period. Now it isn't all on the offensive line. I caught a couple plays yesterday that, that Granson just whiffed. It wasn't just all them. They miss Jack Doyle. They miss Jack Doyle's blocking ability. They miss Zach Pascal's blocking ability. But there's nothing to do about that right now. There's nothing they can do about that right now. Those are the mistakes they were made in the offseason by the general manager. The coach isn't 
coaching them up like he needs to. And this is where they're at. But James, I want to read this quote from Naheem Hines to you and get your thoughts because this is very telling. You know, Naheem Hines was frustrated yesterday, I think, after the loss. He didn't touch the ball on offense until five minutes was left in the third quarter. He was completely a non-factor. I don't know how many times I have to say it. He needs to be more of a factor. They haven't found a way to get him consistently involved. Here's what Naheem said. Like I said, it's not an excuse, but every year we have a new quarterback. So each year we have these growing pains while we sit here and watch Tennessee, which has had Tannehill for what, my whole career? And each year we're restarting, we have to turn the page. So that sucks a little bit, too, that most teams we play have an established guy. But that doesn't matter. We have to figure it out, and we will figure it out. That's the truth. That's the reality. Now, is it excuse? Maybe. But five quarterbacks in five years is hard for any franchise. And Tannehill, for his limitations, has been there, and they have some stability at that position. And I think it's time the Colts go get a quarterback this spring. But that's not going to help them for the next four months. No, not at all. But you're spot on. They have to. I mean, I touched on it earlier in the pod. This is a one-year rental. Do not bring. I know he signed That's for That's all we've years. been doing. That's all this team's been doing for five years. I'm tired of one-year rentals. This is supposed to be a two-year thing, maybe a three-year thing. <laughs> yeah, Jim, you're say he's going to talk his guys up, as any owner should, but reality tells you Matt Ryan should not be here next season. Great guy, great leader. Don't think he's a bad person, anything like that. But I'll put it like this. If he knew the offensive line and everything was going to be like this, there's no way he was coming anyway. <laughs> he was sold on the offensive line. That was one of the selling points. I mean, it's a two-way street. So this is becoming that final nail in the coffin where you have to really look in the mirror if you're the Colts and say, we can't push this off any longer. We can't rebuild or retool on the go. Go get someone young. You can't young. live in mediocrity. You can't live. Yeah, go get someone young and, and work with it. 15th to 17th to 22nd pick in the draft. Like you no. got to be no. really good or really bad. And, and that's how this really this league works. The Pacers have lived that for 15 years, right? They haven't been bad enough. And you know that as well as anybody. I do want to shout out a couple guys before we get back to the problems that I thought jumped out on tape. Um, and in a bad way, Brandon Faison's angle that he took on the Derrick Henry t- touchdown was atrocious. Like, I just, wow, that was awful. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Real quick, though, I thought that Derrick Henry, like, juked him. He really just ran around him. It was such an easy move. Henry just, like, slid to the outside. But Henry, but Faison just went Yeah, I mean, it was a really just, just, talk about setting the edge. He completely lost the edge. And that was, I was like, wow, you didn't even make. He set Derek, up the edge. Yeah, right. Basically, I was thinking to myself, 
you didn't even make Derrick Henry be superhuman. You just let him be any running back in the NFL and just run around the edge. So, yeah, you can get keep going. But that play right there was just indicative of, like, what is this team doing? I thought Dio splashed again. He had a great rush, that huge sack on the first drive of the second half. Alec Pierce, like jump ball dude, like they need to get a guy on the outside that can do that besides Pittman. Now, I think they need to get more from Pittman. They need to get the ball to him more often. But when Pierce is rolling on the outside, that helps Pittman. But also that's going to help JT because the teams aren't going to be able to bottle up the middle of the field, which they've been doing dating all the way back to last year in week 17 against the Raiders. But here's where we're at. They're going to be without their best defensive player. On Thursday night in Denver, Darius Leonard, Shaq Leonard suffered a concussion. And I don't expect Jonathan Taylor to play. You know, I think the team's original fear was that it's a high ankle sprain. Now, that hasn't been confirmed yet, but they have two days of walkthrough today and tomorrow, and then they fly to Denver on Wednesday. So it's, it's all but a certainty that they'll be without 28 and 53. Any chance they stun the world without those two? How do they move the ball on offense without 28? Because it's not like they were moving the ball with 28. And I think they're going to put more pressure on the passing game. Do they move up Philip Lindsay? Is this a Philip Lindsay homecoming in Denver type situation? But without 28 is something I haven't really imagined because he's never missed a game in his life due to injury. He missed one due to COVID a couple years ago. But without 28, this, this offense feels very incomplete. Yeah, even with him not being a factor, it's because teams are scheming for him. So if you take him out of the equation, I mean, defenses are going to have a field day just knowing that, hey, we don't even have to really account for a guy who can just be a game breaker. We don't even have to worry about the run. I mean, until the Colts prove otherwise. Yeah, I will say this. I've learned my lesson as far as the NFL and how ridiculous the league can be week to week. So they that's do have the fun a fun part. They have a shot. I do think, I think yeah, that's Yeah, I don't think Denver's very and, good. And I think you said it um, early on when I started on the beats, like, NFL games are usually one score games, no matter how good you are, or bad you are. A lot yeah, of them every come game this down. Season the Colts have had. Well, except for the game we will not mention. <laughs> but they, you know, they've come down to these one possession type of games. And here's my thing: if they get not even like a lead, if they just don't bury themselves, they'll have a chance. But the thing about the Colts and their offense, at least for me, is when I saw that they were down twenty-four to three against Tennessee. In my mind, I'm like, that's a loss because they don't have the firepower come back and score enough. They had the chances. I know Jonathan Taylor had the fumble late. I believe he didn't say it, but I believe watching the playback, he got bent up really awkward. And I just really think that like as a human, when something painful, really, really painful happens, you kind of just lose focus of like whatever you're doing because he got rolled up nasty. And I think that he just let the ball go because it hurt so bad. He wouldn't say it. And, you know, again, JT's never going to blame anyone. He's going to take all the blame. But regardless of that, you had that fumble and you had a few other plays where you just weren't able to connect or finish any drives to, you know, outside of the Mo Ali Cox, um, you know, touchdown, you, you were not unable to get on the board. So it just feels like if this offense has to score, I'll say this, they haven't scored over 20 points in a game this season. So if they have to score over 20 points, they're not going to like, it seems like, okay, that's an impossible task. It seems like a monumental thing to score three touchdowns. Here's my thing. I got I got some serious issues with the play calling. I do. And they were able to get some crossers and get the tight ends open, and those look great. But let's go back to the, the last drive, really, with Pierce. They throw that bomb to Pierce. Now, Matt Ryan underthrows it. Alec makes a great adjustment and, and makes the catch, right? You get this huge chunk play, the longest play of the season. 
And then you run with Hines because JT's out and he gets no gain. Then you run a bubble screen to Hines, and I hate this play, and he loses three. And then what happens on third down? Now it's third and 13. The Colts are always in third and nine or third and 10 or third and 12 because the run game can't do anything up the middle. And they keep running these very vanilla A and B gap runs with Taylor. And there's no push. There's no push on the right guard. There's no push in the center. I mean, Danico Autry lived. He, he took up camp in the backfield of the Colts yesterday. And that's a problem. And so on that third down, who gets beat? The left tackle gets beat. So all of a sudden you're looking at a 51-yard field goal and you don't have a kicker because you didn't get better at kicker in the offseason and Chase McLaughlin misses it. So all of these mistakes and flaws that are coaching and roster construction sort of compounded themselves at the end of that game. And if you can't get a third and two going back to the JT play, you can't get a third and two. Like that drive was rolling. And if you get that third and two, you probably I, I would probably think they get in for seven and tie the game, and then we see what happens from there. But that third and two told you everything. You got the best running back in the game, at least last year, not this year. You get the best running back in the game, and you can't get two yards up the middle against a team that's one of the worst run defenses in the league. That's the thing that was probably most infuriating. I'm like, they're not good at this, and they look like superstars. The that Titans is... are terrible in the second half. This was Colts. They were going to – I mean, they were on a 14-0 to run that was about to be 21-0 to run. But those – flaws both in the way they play the way they coach and the way they're built have just compounded in these tight games and besides chris jones running his mouth on that game last week they don't have a win they don't have a win without chris jones saying whatever that is that he said to matt ryan and that's a problem and how are they going to go to denver and how are they going to play with philly and dallas and new england in a couple of weeks if they can't block if they can't block so you know in years past i felt like when they fixed the line in 18, like, okay, they could do some things. And they had an elite quarterback as well. You know, in 20, they were a real run system and the defense was great. And Phillip Rivers was really smart. I don't see a turnaround happening, not a drastic turnaround this year. I think this is what the Colts are. And we've seen a month of it. And the outlier was the Kansas City game. And again, it goes back to what we said right after these games. You didn't take advantage of the Texans game. You didn't take advantage of the Jaguars game. You got embarrassed, actually. So coming into the season, it felt like, okay, those are two games that you should win, that they felt that they could win, that they would win. You did not. So now it becomes even more of an uphill battle as the season goes on, and you have to play perfect, and you're very far from that. So it just seems like a lot of things are going all wrong all at once, and Again, we touched on this. You banked on a lot of players and groups stepping up that hadn't proven it. And now, again, the one unit that seemed to had, you know, proven it over the years is yeah. it. So it's it's That's it's really point. weird. Like yesterday's offense became just Matt Ryan drop back and pass. If you would have told me that was going to be the recipe for giving them even a chance to win the game coming into the season, I thought you were crazy. I'm like, what? JT's got to touch the ball. He's got to get over 100 yards. He's got to get 20 touches. It's hard to even give him 20 touches because it's, it's not doing anything when he gets 10. So you're getting in third and longs, and this team's not good yeah, enough to beat you in third and long. You know, I felt like the ball was spread around pretty well. Colin Granson, um, the blocking has to get better. That's just the bottom line. But he was a factor in the passing game. That's what they wanted from him. Jelani Woods had another big catch, and I thought he was going to go three for three for a second. Yeah, I did too. That was a great play. He's going he's gonna to be a player, man. He's just yeah, long, and, and you could see it. 
then Mo Alec Cox. So, you know, it, it felt like the tight end group got going. The Paris Campbell, you know, had some catches. He had some sightings. He did. I believe it's probably his Julian most productive game of the season. Exactly. So the ball was spread around. More guys stepped up in that department. It was not just a Michael Pittman Jr. show. However, it almost feels like every week you get in this hole and it's a little too late. And unless you're in, and my thing is this, and you touched on it with the games coming up on the schedule, you're going to face better teams. And so it feels like if you don't capitalize against these, these bad teams or, or lower level teams, you're going to be what you've been a bad team. So I don't know, man, it, it's, it's really weird to see. And again, just to give you a glimpse of how that game against Kansas city was an anomaly. I mean, it counts as the win. I'll give them that. But I mean, it felt like Kansas City just took their their frustration out on the Bucks last night. Well, they score like thirty eight. I didn't like they. I turned and it, it off. Forty one, I believe it was 41, 31, yeah. You know, how did so the they Chiefs score forty one on the Bucks and seventeen against Colts? I don't know why, but it seems this like league. the Colts play worse against the AFC South teams and better against non AFC South teams. Now that doesn't help you in the division standings, and that's why you haven't won the division in eight years. But it's strange. And what's crazy is they're not that far back. They're still not like completely out of it. That's why you don't panic. That's as bad as it's been. That's why you don't panic. And I will say this. So hear me out. Maybe I'll be a glass half full guy today because it's only a month in and I've covered a lot of games. Given protection, Matt Ryan is quick and accurate and as good as they have right now. People are clamoring for Sam Ellinger. It's not going to happen. Nick Foles, not based on what we saw and can't be there. If Bernard Ryman is able to step into that left tackle spot and give you some stability... Perhaps you can move prior to right guard, which is he's where he's more comfortable. And maybe I just solve the offensive line problems. Now, it's easier said than, than done. But prior's not getting it done at left tackle. And that's a position that loses you games if you can't count on that guy. And I, and, I, and I think Matt Ryan, given time, given space, will get you the ball where it needs to be. That's what I saw on the tape. The problems are very damning, though. The problems are inexcusable. The problems are him fumbling the football nine times in four games. That's how you lose games in this league, and that's what's happening to this team. And then secondly, like we've talked about a lot, JT in the run game is just a non-factor. I mean, to think this team had 38 rushing yards against a team that was giving up more explosive runs than anybody in the league, that's incomprehensible. And I don't know how you solve that besides just bringing Anthony Costanzo out of retirement and bringing black Mark Leguincy and it's not going to happen, but I am just stunned at how bad the blocking has been consistently for four weeks with this team. There's a lot of money invested in those guys and they are one of the worst parts of this team right now. The injuries are piling up. JT, Shaquille, see if Julian can go. Yeah, it's a short week though. Yeah, and, 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 you know, there's been no update on his ankle injury and what's going on with him, so. Week to week, so probably unlikely one two and one after a month of the season if you had that predicted uh i'll buy you a case of beer because because i didn't if you predicted a tie you're a loser if you predicted yeah, a tie, you're I'm a loser. With you. i hate ties <laughs> so much i hate it we got to get off not practice sorry the colts are doing a walkthrough today a walkthrough tomorrow and we will hear from frank reich and some players today and tomorrow before they fly out to denver on wednesday for some more fun we'll see what happens Thursday night, they've won Let's the ride. last two Let's Thursday ride. night games the last couple of years. They seem to play well on Thursday nights. It's going to be fascinating to see what Frank Reich and the offensive staff, who are not getting the job done, come up with against a very good Denver defense on the road on a short week. They started the prep early last week because they know the, the short timetable. But why should Colts fans have hope, James? I don't know. It's football. It gets weird. If anything, you, maybe you just want to troll the whole let's ride thing from from 
from Russell Wilson. And- it would be the most Colts thing ever to come out and play great against the Broncos. It would it would be the most Colts thing ever. I mean, I we play. said that when they did it against the Chiefs. So, and I do feel like you you need to avoid the back to back losses as much as you can. Jokes aside, like <laughs> you need to avoid home division losses too. But they haven't really uh, taken care of that. It seems like that rope is slipping, and you just want to you don't want to completely let it go. And this is your chance to gut out it, honestly it doesn't matter how you do it it could be an ugly win i mean didn't the broncos win and it was like 11 to 10 or something yeah it doesn't matter they'll take any win any way they can get it like you said they're they're only a half game back in the division which is crazy it's what it is it's what it is god bless the afc south i guess but look you got denver on thursday then you get a little bit of a rest and then you've got jacksonville at home and jacksonville kicked your ass three weeks ago so i don't care who it is i don't care what it says on the on this sheet like jacksonville absolutely was the better team and they're going to come in here with a lot of confidence so we'll see what happens but we're off to denver this week we got to go to practice in a couple hours for james boyd i'm zach Kiefer. this is one percent better the colts are one two and one short week they're off to denver this week and we'll catch up with you after that one